Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Matthew 5, 33 through 48. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the king of the city, of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you uh, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. We're continuing with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so we are now, though, in the season of Lent. And um, one of the things we said, if you were with us on Wednesday night, was that uh, the call this year... I, I don't necessarily want to uh, call you to give something up, maybe. Maybe give up selfishness, that's what we said. But that we might, uh, that we might uh, pick something up, or to, to do something. Am I super loud? Yes, can we? Okay, all right. Um, thank you. Uh, but that we might pick something up that helps us to live with, like, faithful, compassionate justice. Um, so that, that our understanding of what God is calling us to during the time that we're preparing ourselves for what Jesus does at Easter, um, is something that is uh, what's creative in, in nature. Uh, that it, it, it allows us to, to love folks in the same way that, that we have been loved. And so that's, that's the call for us this week, or this, this season during Lent. And we're going to look at three more passages from Matthew uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to split them up. They're three different kind of commands, and then uh, there are three questions, um, one at each end of each little segment that I would like us to ask ourselves. This, maybe this week you might ponder in more specific ways. Um, so uh, just to reiterate what we've walked through with the, the Sermon on the Mount so far, it, it starts with um, Jesus calling some disciples. That's not technically in the sermon, but it starts, it starts there. <clears throat> Jesus calls some disciples, and then he tells them who they are. 
um, in the Beatitudes. And he offers a promise uh, of faithfulness to always be with his disciples, with and for them in positive ways uh, forever. So we are called, they're blessed, and uh, then they, they're told what they are to do. And Jesus talks about being the salt of the world and the light of the world. That the, Some of the things that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to do and have been blessed to do is to be uh, a body that flavors and preserves and illuminates. We flavor the world. We, we give it the, the richness that God intended it to be, uh, to have through our care and love for others. Uh, we're to, to kind of preserve it, to, to keep it, uh, well, we'll help it thrive too. And we're to illuminate not just the, the bad and the evil that happens in the world, but the beauty and the goodness as well. And then, then Jesus comes uh, and we enter the Sermon on the Mount uh, proper and he's saying things a lot like, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Um, and he's taking the law that Israel had, that God had given them, that they loved so very much, and he's saying, um, I'm going to, I don't want to do away with the law, the law, I'm going to fill it full. I'm going to bring it to its intended place, its proper function. It's, it's like if you take a balloon, you know it's a balloon, but you don't know exactly what it looks like. As a balloon, you blow the balloon up. It is fulfilled. It is the fulfillment of that balloon's purpose in the world. And so he's saying, to, in order to do that, I'm going to have to help you understand what it is that you have been given as the law. Uh, reimagine, reinterpret it. So he says, um, you've heard it said through all these years, through the law, but I say to you, and then he offers a way of greater faithfulness to the law. Well, um, this first one we reach today, uh, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. Um, but I say to you, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for, the, uh, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, which is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city uh, of the great king. Um, and do not swear by your head, or, for you cannot make one, one white hair or black. Um, let your yes be yes, or your no, no. Anything more comes from the evil one. Now, um, whenever I would teach teenagers, I would have to remind them that like, swearing isn't necessarily like the words that you maybe get in trouble for saying at school, and maybe not, uh, or that you can say on the evening news, um, that swearing in this particular context uh, has nothing to do with that. has everything to do, though, with our truth-telling. Uh, in, in, in Israel's day, it was proper and common to swear on something. Um, it was kind of, like a, it's kind of like a backing for that promise that you are making at the moment, because you would, you would swear on something that has a greater, uh, a greater stature than you, uh, something that's bigger and stronger, and obviously gods in that whole area would be that would be that way. Um, because the God kind of guarantees uh, that unless you are faithful to the promise that you are swearing to upkeep, then there will be consequences for you. Does that make sense? So I make a promise to my wife, and I swear to God in heaven, and if I break it, then there's consequences for me. Like, that's kind of how it would be, would be thought. Not that I would ever break a promise to you. Um, Unless it's like 
the dishes then. Anyway, all right. Um, so that's how, that's how that was supposed to work. Um, but Jesus is saying, and, and I think then as of now, like it is almost impossible to, to like just have your word be your word anymore, right? Like you have to sign your life away to, to join a website or um, you, you have to, I don't know, because you never know what people are going to do to take and abuse the things that you have. And so everybody has to swear to everything. Like even if in the court of law where you, are, uh, where you were uh, testifying something, you have, to, you have to take an oath. And now I, I realize that that makes it difficult for us, maybe here and now, to, like, to live into this calling. I'm not saying if you get called to testify, I'm not saying like don't do that, right? Do what you got to do to be a good citizen. Uh, but what I think Jesus is saying here, and this, I believe, um, is, I think, really, really important for, for what comes behind it. That Jesus is calling us to truthfulness. Now, no biggie, right? Like, that's one of the commandments. Um, but truthfulness, like, means nothing if I'm not going to orient my life in a certain way. Uh, and I think Jesus is saying, you don't need to swear by anything because you're the one who has to, has to back up and to live honestly and, and faithfully. So um, you've heard it said, and we'll go back to that one at the beginning. You've heard it said, uh, in ancient times you shall not swear falsely, but carry out your vows. And Jesus says, no, don't swear at all. Um, get a little farther ahead of myself here. Um, but truthfulness. So they, like, there's a commandment, and the commandment is towards truthfulness. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves, okay, let me back up. I meant to say this. Last week's word of the week was faithfulness, right? Or faithful. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that this week because I think all of these, all of these things have to do with, with, faithful, with God's faithfulness to us and our faithfulness to each other. And so the question um, for this section of the scripture is how can we exercise faithful truth-telling even now? Uh, perhaps I didn't set that up well enough because I think that it's incredibly difficult even for us to tell the truth uh, sometimes. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever just not wanted to hurt somebody's feelings so you don't tell the truth? Um, man, I, I, I think I'm dishonest in that way a, a lot because I don't, I don't want people to be mad at me. <laughs> uh, or, you know, just a, a ton of other ways. But I think what Jesus is calling us to is faithful truthfulness. And so this week, I want you to, as you are tempted to be a little less than honest in big things or in small things, to ask yourself, what does faithful truthfulness look like? Do I have the courage necessarily to exercise faithful truthfulness? And then maybe pray that you might have the courage to do so and the strength. Faithful, uh, uh, faithful truthfulness. Um, he goes on. Oh, I didn't go there yet. 
Okay, I was expecting these to be on different slides. Uh, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go to one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to uh, borrow from you. Um, I'm calling this one uh, Faithful and Generous Confrontation. Uh, If we ask before this what it means to live truthfully and faithfully, this one is, is how do we engage in conflict in a generous and faithful way? Now, I, I think it, it doesn't make sense to me naturally to think of confrontation or how you might deal with them as being generous. And, and a lot of times we, we look at this passage too and we're like, there's some pretty stark language in here. Um, language that, that looks like maybe if we read it at face value, you would say that like, you're just supposed to lay down and take whatever someone wants to do to you. But I don't think that's the case in what Jesus is saying. We also make this, want to make this about larger situations. And I think at, the, I think at the, the core of what Jesus is calling us to here is to ask ourselves, what does, it, what does the body of Christ, what is the church, what are you and I, what is the posture that we take with conflict with each other and with conflict that's outside in the world? Do we, do we offer um, a like for like, right? Eye for an eye. Um, it was a good rule because it kept you from taking revenge overly greater than like the harm that you'd be, had you, you had been done. So like if someone poked out your eye, you couldn't kill them because that would be overly vengeful. You just got to gouge their eye out. Now, I doubt that that was what Jesus wanted anybody to do ever. Uh, maybe it was m- more of a concession, but... Uh, eye for an eye wasn't just Israel's thing. Uh, anyway. Um, what does it look like uh, for us to be the, the, the body of Christ in the midst of conflict? How do we return harm? What do we do? What do we do? We, uh, Jesus says, uh, do not resist an evil do there, but if anyone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat and give your cloak as well, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Um, I think this is where the generosity comes from. Like, that we're not, we're not responding with uh, hate for hate or violence for violence. But we are responding uh, to sinfulness in the same way that Jesus has responded to sinfulness to us. Jesus doesn't exact revenge on us for all of our sinfulness. He doesn't do that an eye for an eye or even greater. Like, Jesus' Jesus' confrontation with us is generous. It's giving. It's creative. It's restoring. I I, I, I hope you, I hope this makes sense. I think what, the heart of what it is is that we're to be sacrificial in the midst of 
conflict. Not necessarily like getting run over, right? Christ said there's this tension here before, between this. And, and a lot of people struggle with what that is, and I struggle w- with what that looks like as well. But I, I think generosity is the word that comes to mind. Uh, that we give a little bit more than we might be expected to give because that's the way of Christ. I don't know how to say it any other than that. So the question I want you to uh, ponder this week uh, and maybe act out, how can you practice faithful and generous confrontation? Nobody's going to be asking for your coat or your cloak. I I don't think this week. No one's going to force you to carry their pack for a mile. But what, what are the things that other people do to which you can respond either with generosity and faithfulness or with anger uh, and violence maybe even. I don't know what that looks like for all of you. Uh, There was one caveat though um, that I have to say at the end of this. uh, At the end of this one. um, Jesus doesn't guarantee that a generous faithfulness in the midst of conflict will look like or even work like anything practical. We said this at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of times we read these things and we say, well, that's just not how things work. Or I don't think Jesus meant it that way. And I guess I say some of those things too. Um, But if we look at, at Jesus, like the cross doesn't seem practical. It doesn't seem like it'll work out the way that Jesus thinks that it does. But it, in the call for generous faithfulness, like we have to understand that on the other side of that is always resurrection. It's always newness. It may take a while to see that, uh, but I think it's true. At least it's, I've experienced that kind of, if we want to make metaphorically, right? Uh, there have been uh, conflicts in my life that have been deep and hurtful and which I hope that I chose to make the right choices. And on the other side of that, even at, like years after things settle, like there's resurrection. There's, there's new life. There's maybe even, maybe even better life because, because I sought to be like Christ in the midst of that conflict. Not that I did it perfectly. I'm not talking about anybody here. So just, does that make sense? Uh, a call of generous faithfulness may not, it's the asterisk, right? May not be practical. I'm calling this next one um, faithful hospitality. It's kind of the same way. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Uh, for, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Um, hospitality. And, and maybe there's not a, a, a difference between hospitality and generosity. 
And maybe there is, I don't know. Um, but when I read this, one of the things I'm, I'm struck by, by the way, um, never in the Old Testament does it say you should hate your neighbor, right? But that's something that kind of crept in there. Um, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, as, if, as if loving your enemies is, is difficult enough, right? Like we may say we love our enemies sometimes, but it's, it's hard. It's just it's the reality of it. The, the pray for, though, is, is particularly difficult. And the, the grammar of the passage, though, the, the very word has more to do like, well, instead of like just, oh, you have a particular problem, I'm going to pray that God might intervene in that and solve what's, what's wrong. Um, it's not on behalf, it's not, it's not just for someone, it's on behalf of. It's substitutionary, if that makes sense. So that what Jesus is calling us to is not just to pray for someone's flourishing, but, but it's to, to kind of get inside and understand their situation and pray that God might work in their life in the same way that you might pray that God would work in your life if you were in a similar situation. Maybe it's, well, I think there's prayers for forgiveness in there. I, I think there's prayers for, for wisdom in there for the person who's hurt you. I think there's a prayer for blessing. That God might bless those who've hurt us. To pray for our enemies means that we pray as if we were them. And I know that seems, that seems strange. But I think it's that kind of posture that led Jesus to do what he does for us. I, I think that's why Jesus becomes fully one of us to experience all of what it means to be hurt and broken. If Jesus prays not just for us, metaphorically, right, in the, in the cross, but Jesus dies as if he was us. I hope that's a, an important distinction. So, um, question for this one. Oh, actually, we, we haven't gotten. There's, there's one more thing. Sorry. Um, so you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise. Uh, I skipped one. Uh, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Uh, do not even some of the tax collectors say the same. Uh, I don't know why I'm having such a problem with this today. I am looking for the very, for, verse 48. 47 and 48. We don't have that. No, it's good. I'll, I'll just read it. Thanks. Well, verse, verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. And the very last, very last verse of this is, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. I, I think we, we uh, especially in our tradition, we um, I think we take that perfect a, a little 
too literal. Like we, at least I know I hear language like this and be like, well, there's just no way that I'm ever going to do this perfectly um, because that's just too high of a bar. Like there's no way that anybody's going to do that, although, you know, some people think they might. Um, it, the word that Jesus uses here really means complete or whole or mature. So maybe we put it like this. Jesus calls us to be mature as an, specifically in love, as your heavenly father is mature in love. Uh, that word mature, like it connotates growth, right? Because no one starts out mature. It's always a process of maturity from, from babies to, to adults. I think at, at the end of these kind of three really, really tough understandings of following God's law, that Jesus understands that what he is calling us to is a process and a journey. One where the, the Spirit is working in us and for us, where, where God is blessing us to be with us and for us always so that we might, well, tell the truth faithfully. Uh, that we might engage in uh, faithful and generous conflict, confrontation. Um, that we might uh, love more fully and more maturely to be like our Heavenly Father. So, this week, this week, I want you to ask yourself maybe at the end of each day, was I faithfully honest or truthful today? Maybe you review the, the times that you fell short of that and confess those. Then maybe you, you reflect on the difficulty of doing that thing. And maybe if you were faithfully honest and true, you might ponder how that was hard, what you learned from it. Uh, second thing I want you to do is that as you go about your week and engage in interpersonal relationships and your families and your works and all that, I want you to, to seek to engage in generous and faithful confrontation. That in the midst of conflict, wherever you are, that you are responding with generosity the heart that wants to give. And I want you to also go out through this week and ask yourself, every place that you have an opportunity to love, be your significant other, your kids, just anybody, that you might maybe at the end of the day reflect and say, was the love that I displayed today faithful and mature? Was the conflict I entered into generous and faithful? Was my truth-telling faithful? I think what we transition to the to Lord's Supper. If if there is ever an honest truthfulness, a faithful truthfulness, it is the Lord's Supper that reminds us, especially as we read this, that we are broken people in need of salvation. Uh, it is truthful honesty. It's faithfulness. It is generous confrontation. 
Because instead of being at odds with us, instead of getting an eye for an eye for everything that we've ever done, God is generous and gives himself. And it is the fullest, best, most mature love the world, the universe has ever seen. And so I hope that as we receive this meal, that it, it, that it is not just a reminder that we are called to live those ways, but that it is also, that it is also a bit of nourishment. Like every other meal does. It fortifies us, strengthens us, sends us out. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.